Hi, everybody, and welcome to this new podcast in our series on managing and overcoming uncertainty. And today, it's a really great pleasure to have Max Mirho with me today. And Max is the host of Entrepreneur, an educational live stream and content series on LinkedIn, Twitch, YouTube, and other online platforms. And in his Entrepreneur show, each week, Max works through building a new small business or a small company or an idea in which his audience helps Max to make decisions about the business. And the goal really is to teach entrepreneurship by doing it in front of your very eyes and you can find out more by going to entrepreneur.blog so please do check it out now max thanks for joining me it's a great pleasure to have you uh, with me so thanks yeah absolutely thank you for having me on the show i think i'm excited to excited to be here thanks and yeah i really love the idea of what you do and you know doing these live experiments with your audience building mini businesses in this way, I think it can really help show people how to become an entrepreneur. And, you know, I think it helps really demystify it, but also we're at a moment in time now where, you know, the world is crazy, things are changing all the time. People are at a point where they maybe want to change their career or maybe have to change their career because of the circumstances. So I think, you know, again, I think the show is so good for that uh, reason. So maybe you can say, you know, what, what inspired you to do this? And what is your hope for the people that engage with you on this show? Yeah, so the reason that I started Entrepreneur was because um, I was kind of trying to solve my own problem. I, I've been doing Entrepreneur and making content in the space for about two years. I've been doing the live stream consistently for about like a year and like two, three months, somewhere around there. Um, but... I started making videos initially, just little videos. Uh, I started as a series, a little video series, one video every Tuesday and one every Thursday. And I posted them on LinkedIn and that was the main kind of place. Um, and I started to span out. I started to make a little bit of content on, on Instagram, et cetera, but it started out as videos. And, and the videos were essentially the same thing. It was me filming myself going out and trying different little entrepreneurial ventures. The first one that I tried just as kind of a joke was like the simplest form of entrepreneurship I could think of like a lemonade stand. And so I, I set up a lemonade stand on my college campus and we, tried to make it happen and lost like $50 on it, but it was a great learning experience. It was a lot of fun and I ended up making a couple of really entertaining videos. Um, and then after that, I tried something a little bit more uh, service-based. So uh, I tried to become a paid photographer for a day and see if I could get into that kind of space freelance. And I emailed one person and they got back to me and they're like, sure. And they paid me like 200 bucks. And it was a really, really cool experience. And it was, um, it was super, super awesome. But I, I started out with the video series to kind of experiment. And the reason that I created that and started doing those videos is because I wanted to learn entrepreneurship. At the end of my sophomore year in college, I, I was studying, I was in business school, great business school, Tepper School of Business here in the US in Pittsburgh. I really like it. I learned a lot about business, but I wasn't taking any entrepreneurship classes, even though I was in the entrepreneurship track. Mm -hmm. I knew I wouldn't until the end of, of my junior year and it would be a little while, right? So I was frustrated. So I went and I interviewed like a hundred entrepreneurs over the next year, year and a half. Um, over the summer when I was taking, when I was doing internships, I interviewed a ton of them. It was just, it was a great experience. Um, and from doing that, I learned uh, like mainly asking the same question over and over, like, how do you know your idea is a good idea? What are the first few steps that you did to get started? After I started to learn that kind of structure, there started to be a pattern um, for how people test ideas realistically. And um, I started to learn that after like a hundred interviews, finally, like a year and a half, I was like, maybe I could do something myself. And then I started to build something myself and actually try stuff. 
Um, I built like a little uh, internship newsletter for my local school and got a couple of people hired at local startups. I, I created a little event series. I tried a bunch of different stuff. There were like five other tiny little ideas that flopped. But in the process of doing that and trying stuff, I learned how entrepreneurship functions, right? It was, it was the best learning experience. All those interviews, all of everything else, all of the scrolling and reading on the internet that I possibly could do did not teach me nearly as enough as just trying to spin some tiny little thing up. Mm. Um, and uh, it, was, it was something that I felt I could do publicly, right? If I'm, if I'm running these experiments, if I'm, if I'm making, trying to make little things happen, why can't I just film that and talk about it the whole time? And so the videos work great, but editing videos every week is really time consuming. Live streams are live and I felt I could have a bit more flexibility. I also feel like I, at the, like during the period of me making a ton of these videos, I was getting better at being entertaining. And so I figured I could also kind of make it like a fun thing. Um, I initially started with like a three hour live stream, which is a long time. Um, Got better, got slowly better at the process, boiled it down to an hour and a half. But yeah, it was just, I couldn't like, like Gary Vee, Tim Ferriss, um, Tim Ferriss is okay. I really like Tim Ferriss, but Gary Vee, Tim Ferriss, Grant Cardone, and Ty Lopez. There's a lot of these big like gurus online in terms of entrepreneurship. And then like, they tell you how it works, but most of them are focused on inspiration and motivation and not on like the actual building process. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with you. Yeah. Cause they have their own giant companies and they're doing really, really well and great, but they're not like starting from zero at all. And none of the information about what they're doing is starting from zero. And they have some mm-hmm. insight into scaling right and and building an audience and, and different things like that and that's all really cool and helpful but it doesn't teach you anything it just gets you hype right and they, that's their audience yeah. their audience is, is consumer focused and that, there's nothing wrong with that there's a place for that great but it wasn't helping me and so i wanted to create a content channel that helped people like me that have no idea how to get started so yeah that's why i created it um and so far people seem to agree and, and we're building a small little audience around it it's fun Cool. And so, you know, with the people that are engaging with you, I my my sense is that what you hope for them to get out of it is to make that leap from inspiration or hype or seeing that aspect of it to actually taking action, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole uh, everything that I do is is unbelievably action focused. We on on weekends we we goof off and we that's that's the time that we spend for theory and coming up with startup ideas and, and goofing off and kind of thinking about things mm-hmm. and we'll play some video games from my childhood and we'll just have fun mm-hmm. um and we'll do that for like an hour and a half and on wednesdays wednesdays every single wednesday from noon to 1 30 um eastern time we just sit down and we get so we plug something out if we don't have it done by the end of it we're like okay here are the next steps this is exactly what i'm going to do i'll have it done for you by the weekends like i we, we focus as hard as we possibly can on action because it really does not take that long to, 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 to set up a website or, or build a small app prototype or, 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 or like just create a small product. There's very, very simple templates online. I'm not like technically advanced. I just use tools that exist exclusively for these purposes to create these products or tools or websites or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's not hard. Getting hung up on it is ridiculous name a lot of people spend like like weeks and they trying to come up with a name for their business i was on a live stream and we were spinning up an agency that's doing pretty well now and uh the we named the agency unnamed agency because i didn't want to name the agency because we just wanted to get to the process of actually building the website yeah. right funny um, thing is that's a pretty good brand name when you think about it because it's, really, it's, yeah people really it gets like your it. attention you know <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> So yeah. Yeah, actually, can I just pick you up on something there? And th- this will move me quite nicely into my next question, really, which is, you know, a lot of the things that you're saying about, you know, existing tools and talking to people and, you know, 
this emphasis on action and even the way that you, you know, you use your audience and the audience engages with you. You know, for me, it sounds like a great way of not just crowdsourcing, but crowd developing a business idea. And I just, I think that is also a really interesting thing because in one of my previous podcasts, I was talking to Peter Harrington and I was talking to Karen Lee Thompson, who has started her own uh, beauty business in, you know, in this chaos. And, you know, one of the things that struck me was really about, you know, getting in front of your customer, understanding your customer, talking to them, finding out what is authentic to them and what they want and, you know, what, what, what they don't want. And that includes from messaging to product service, brand names, even and all that. And, you know, with our in mind, you know, are there lessons do you think from this crowd developing idea that might be able to help entrepreneurs or maybe even those that are existing business wanting to pivot or change? Yeah. So like crowdsourcing is the way like I have, I've taken a little bit further, like crowdsourcing is, is like my entire thing. Right. Cause like I'll be building a, a like a landing page for something and, and a few people, I have a few like startup founders in, in my audience that like watching and they'll say, no, 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 cut that out. You just need the call to action. And I'll have to, okay, I'll cut this out and I'll make this a simpler website. Like they'll help me in the process of me actually building my small little business. Right. Um, and that helps me a ton because I, I do not claim to know anything. I do not claim to be good at anything. I'm just like trying it out. And if it works great. Right. Um, so I've taken the crowdsourcing a little bit further and that we're literally building it together kind of live. Um, I'm doing most of it, but I get tons of help, but I think crowdsourcing like, is unbelievably important for, for pretty much any business. And that's how I've seen a lot of other founders do it. Like, mm-hmm. even if they're successful, like one of my, one of my, uh, one of my good friends, Rachel, she runs a beauty business, uh, e-commerce beauty business. Um, very, very clever. It's called subtle beauty. Um, and, uh, what she does whenever she's trying to launch a new product or whenever she's trying to pivot anything at all within the company, she's already has like thousands of customers. She's doing really, really great, successful company. Mm-hmm. Even at that point, she's still crowdsourcing ideas because she has a new concept or she has some, something in mind for a new product and she will send out survey after survey or, 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 or a list of things and she'll get her customers to actually go and fill out as much as information as possible about this new product or about this new idea or about maybe a pivot within the company um, to get their feedback exactly what's, on what's going on. Like you are, Entrepreneurship is solving somebody else's problem, right? If you can solve somebody else's problem, you get paid. And in the process of solving somebody else's problem, even if you've run a successful business around that problem for a while, you have no concept of what new problem is going to work unless you ask the customers directly. And so that's just like, that's the process of customer discovery. And usually that happens in the beginning of the business before you know what the problem is. But no matter how far along you are in the business, even if you've been around for 80 years, like you still can never assume what an individual is going to want because you are not that individual and then that scales up to thousands and thousands of people potentially. So always survey, always interview your customers, no matter what stage you're at, ask every possible question that you can of the people that you're going to be selling to before you try to solve something. So yeah, crowdsourcing is unbelievably important for anybody at any stage everywhere. Cool. No, thanks so much for that. I think couldn't agree more. It's also making sure that you get lots of different viewpoints and it takes away your own biases because you know, we exactly. can come up with ideas all the time as human beings it's just the, the whole point of being creative but we can think they're awesome when and then other people can say actually not that good or maybe you should think about it in this way or another way so 
And you can't get there on your own because we're all clouded, right? We all have, well, in my case, glasses. So, you know, rose tinted glasses, you, you just, uh, you know, don't always uh, see the, the, the challenges in there. So, I mean, let's move on to my next question then, which is, and I think this is all really related, which is, what do you see as opportunities to start business right now? Because obviously we are in a challenging time, but I think that in, in that challenge lies opportunity. So what, how, do you, how are you currently seeing the world? Yeah, totally. So I, the biggest shifts that I've seen, are, of course, are going to be in high tech, right? Because there's a lot of, a lot of stuff shifting right now. Um, in terms of, of, of fundraising, in terms of, of everything else, most stuff hasn't changed. It's just been, there's been a huge shift to e-commerce. There's been a huge shift to online. I think customers are getting a lot more comfortable buying from, mm -hmm. from like companies that aren't Amazon or other things like that. Cause, cause everybody buys everything on Amazon here, but people are getting a bit more comfortable with just kind of smaller businesses or smaller individuals or, or, or whatever, or just buying something off of a website as opposed to something like Amazon. So e-commerce is boosting. And I think if you can create an online product, a digital product or a physical product, uh, either way, um, I think there's a little bit of a boost to that, right? Because everybody's just online now and you can't go to stores and do stuff. So um, e-commerce is good. If you can sell something online, awesome. That's pretty general. Um, I think people are going to make that shift over time. Uh, regardless, it's just been a little bit quicker now. The biggest shift that I've seen has been in, of course, remote work, big shift in remote work. People are still figuring that out. It's going to solidify, I think, as in the next like three-ish years as, as things kind of continue to, to, to be scary. But um, the biggest thing that I'm really excited about and that I think everybody should really pay attention to is virtual education because education mm -hmm. is like virtual work. We've been kind of doing that for a little while now, right? Like it's been a thing, like Slack is a thing, Zoom is a thing. A lot of these uh, like software companies are, are, and these tools are built to, to, to solve remote work, right? And, and I, I, even before everything got crazy, I was doing some freelance and we were doing 99% of it remote. And occasionally we'd need to meet in person when we were in town, fine. But like my boss lived way far away. They, they recruited me here. I worked part-time for a marketing company and I just did my stuff here. And it wasn't a problem at all. Um, that's, I think, how things have been shifting anyway. I think people are able to figure that out. Mm -hmm. um, but with education, education is such a critically weird thing all the time because you learn different ways depending on how, who you are as a person, depending mm -hmm. on your experiences. And like the, so much of the, of the education process and learning something is like enjoying it. If you don't enjoy something, you just don't, like retain it and yeah. so the the less enjoyable that education becomes the harder it becomes to actually retain that information the more frustrating that it becomes and and like the more frustrating it is the less fun it becomes it's it's this weird um kind of system of it's just a picky little system because everybody a lot of the students involved are, are still impressionable we're also like i'm i when i don't like doing something i don't want to do it at all and i won't get it done right like it's just so in education being virtual I'm having so much trouble. Like it's frustrating because a lot of students that I know that are really, really smart kids just hate what's going on right now because they can't flourish in a normal environment. Right. And mm -hmm. so such a big piece of education is, is the social aspect where you get to talk to other kids and you get to build those friendships. I'd say that's the most important piece of, of typical education, mm -hmm. college or otherwise. Um, it's, there's a lot of problems right now and it's nobody's solving them. Everybody's just trying to use zoom and to, to fix all the problems. And there's so many more nuanced levels of, of issues kind of popping up. It's, it's an issue, right? And, and of course, like I'm in the space, I'm excited if I can hopefully make an impact there. 
but yeah, I would say education seems to be the biggest and most disruptable kind of uh, industry right now. If you're looking yeah, to make a change. Yeah, sure. I mean, even from my own um, observations of it, I think we've been trying to make use of tools that were never designed for us, right? So Teams and Zoom, for example, they're exactly. awesome, but they were not really ever designed for an educational platform. <laughs> and it kind of, you know, it, I, it's, it's good to see like Microsoft, for example, adding features into, into something like uh, Teams. And then Adobe Connect is pretty good as well. And there are features there, but they've also got their own, built-in um, idiosyncrasies, right? They're, they're, they're still rather monolithic for what, for what we need. So, yeah, it's interesting because I think it, it pulls in two directions. One is the technology, but the other one is how to convey ideas, how to convey, how to recreate, or if it's even possible to recreate, uh, you know, the social aspect of things as well, because it is such a huge component of things. It's also interesting, you know, picking up on what you were saying about trends and directions that I agree. I don't think the, I don't think COVID-19, for example, has in and of itself, it has fundamentally changed things, but in ways that it's really driven by acceleration. So, you know, for example, the idea of remote working, for example, not only remote working, but even having, you know, remote satellite teams has been there for some time. And sometimes you don't even own those teams or hire those teams. So for example, yeah, like Salesforce, entirely. right? Mm -hmm. You can use Salesforce to you know, have people involved with us and we're in effect outsourcing a part of a business. Another one being you know, Amazon. So the cool thing, well, I think it's a cool thing about Amazon for entrepreneurs is how you don't need warehousing. You don't need a purchasing function. You don't need a sales function. You don't need a finance function. You get Amazon fulfillment to do it all for you, you know, or you can literally just, you know, buy the products that are the stock for your business, host them for Amazon and Amazon takes care of everything. And that is, you know, the ultimate streamlined business almost for an entrepreneur. They can literally, you know, source whatever they want and then sell it to Amazon. So, so that's cool. Now, yeah. <clears throat> following that trend then, so, you know, picking up on what we were saying there and picking up on what we were saying about crowds, um, do you see the power of a crowd as a way that an entrepreneur might be able to potentially future-proof some of their business against, you know, all this uncertainty that's going on around this at this time? So absolutely. Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, I think the number one thing that any starting entrepreneur, like I, my, I focus on like starting entrepreneurs, like you're right in the beginning and that, and I, I'm not like too awesome at scaling beyond that. Right. But it, it, that, that's, that's my kind of audience. That's mainly who I'm speaking to, but this does definitely relate to, to everybody, even if you've been building a business for a while, I think like having an audience on whatever platform, whether it's an, a giant email list um, or, or it's a personal brand related to uh, on Instagram, right. Whatever it is. Um, I think social media is a little bit less flexible because social media relies on an algorithm and then having an email list, I think is always mm. a little bit nicer um, or, or something like that, like a text list. There's a bunch of different ways to, to kind of own your audience, whatever kind of audience you have. It's on social media, if it's on social media, if it's a blog audience, if it, it just people know who you are, having people know who you are as an individual or as a business, just having a personal brand or, or, or a large consumer base of people that are interested, not necessarily even buyers um, having that audience has been, for me personally, 
the most valuable thing. I've been able to do everything because of my audience, because anytime that I need advice, anytime that I need to interview customers, anytime that I need a little bit of flexibility in terms of building a new product or coming up with an idea, or I need feedback from, from experts in the industry, whatever that is, it's helped me incredibly. All of the freelance gigs that I've gotten are from my network. All of the uh, kind of clients that I've gotten from my, my recent agency that we built on the show are because of the people that I knew and people that were able to connect me with. Um, everything that I've done, and I even, I even run a company in town exclusively based off of my network, right? It's it, like everything that I've been able to build has been because of the people that I know and the people that I have stayed in touch with. Um, my friends and, and my, my mentors and my network and just like people in general. So having a large network and then even further than that, having an actual audience is unimaginably helpful in, in testing ideas and coming up with new ideas in making shifts, making pivots in, in finding new opportunities mm -hmm. um, and, and just making sure that, and even if like things go wrong, things go awry, you still have that audience. People know who you are regardless of, of, of whether your business goes under or whether, whether something shifts or somebody gets fired, you get fired or whatever. Just having an audience is, is like, I think future proof is the best way to describe it. Exactly what you said. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm being a little bit general with that, but uh, it's, it's super, super solid because anything that can happen right now, COVID-19 has been really crazy. There's a ton of shifts. A lot of stuff happens in terms of firing, in terms of company shifts, in terms of personal problems, like mm -hmm. everything is just all up in the air. Um, and so I think the best way you, you can future-proof yourself or one of the best ways would definitely be building a social media audience or an email list or whatever um, that might be. Yeah. Great. Yeah, thanks a lot for that, Max. I, yeah, totally with you. It's um, something I've been looking into for years is the idea of networks. And I think it's really interesting to think about you know, how you manage not just your audience and your own personal brand, but your own social capital, right? So, you know, your good relationship with other people and then at the time when you then need it, you know, if you have that good bond and good reputation and good trust, then you can draw on them and then you can access that unique resource, that unique knowledge that is otherwise so challenging to do, especially, I mean, at the drop of a coin, it's not easy if you haven't got those networks to, or if you haven't actually, not, not that you haven't got them, but rather that you haven't invested or somebody hasn't invested in building that audience and in building that connection with their audience and that's where they're going to fall at this time right yeah cool. exactly if you like the difference between an audience and a network i think is an audience trusts you whereas a network knows you right so so mm. uh that's i'm kind of just coming up with that on the spot but that's the general kind of difference i like the I idea yeah, yeah. No, like an audience knows exactly who you are and they're really into you and they, they trust you because they've seen you regularly right and if you if people just see you regularly whether or not you're like talking the truth like people trust you it just kind of happens naturally um but uh a network knows who you are knows what you're doing might be willing to help but generally just is is in your kind of extended friend group kind of it's just having like a, a um an extended kind of circle but yeah i, I see an audience as, as, as the next step right where, where oh. they know who you are they're really into what you're doing and they're behind you already so Great. No, actually, I think that difference is really key. That, that's a really interesting difference. I've never thought of it in that way before, but I really like the difference. So if you thought of that on the spot, that was cool. <laughs> so it really just works well, I think, in capturing that point of, and you know, the audience really being with you and that being that group that's with your business. I mean, your network is bigger than that. You can't always know that, yeah, you can draw on somebody, you know, at a whim. It depends on how solid the bond is. 
So there is one last question that I have in my mind, which is outside of entrepreneurs, uh, you also run mass generation, right? And <laughs> to my understanding, this helps to centralize entrepreneurial activity in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where you're at. And to support entrepreneurs. And I was wondering, is there any advice? Because you link them with investors, right? So I'm curious if there's any advice you'd like to share with entrepreneurs to help access finance or investment at this time. Yeah. So um, I've never been. So yeah, Moss Generation is just a a private, uh, uh, an exclusive kind of network. um, And it used to be an event group for startup entrepreneurs and, and more specifically your early stage, you, you are like, you are scalable in the sense that you can mm-hmm. scale what your product focused, right? So you can, you can scale to, to however large and you have a large market. Um, so you're investable um, and uh, some kind of piece of tech, right? Whatever that is, doesn't necessarily have to be tech, but it has to be scalable. So scalable real startup businesses that have customers to the point where they're just in that growth stage. Mm-hmm. We saw a ton of them in Pittsburgh they weren't connected with each other. We made an event group exclusive to them so they could all connect with each other. And we ended up, it ended up being a really successful little business. It was growing really well. And then COVID hit, can't host events, whole problem. We're figuring it out. Um, but it still runs. So a little while ago. But yeah, we, we try to host them like once every month and just have little Zoom chats and, and have a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, so about to, to answer your question, um, advice for, for kind of investment at this time. Everybody that I've talked to in the fundraising world, I'm not, I'm not a fundraising expert. I, I focus on the initial kind of starting process. Most of the stuff that I try to build, actually I try to avoid being like close to investment, right? Because investment gets a little bit complicated. I'm, I'm pro- a lot of my ideas are very small. I'd say, well, how am I able to build them in 90 minutes? Probably not going to need to raise money for something like that. It's mostly bootstrappable or it's an information product or it's very simple. Regardless, um, Everybody that I've talked to right now in terms of the fundraising world, I've always asked them, like, how has it changed? Like, what has been different right now? And almost everybody has just said, like, it's not really that different, right? People were really scared initially, and there were a few months of a period, like, there was a few months or a chunk of a year that people were really scared. They didn't want to do anything. No investments were happening. Everybody was just like, what's going to happen, right? (laughs) Now that we've kind of reached, like, a new level of of normal, um, it seems like everybody's just continuing to plug along. Like it, nobody's investing less. Everything's, everything seems to be fine. I will say that the one thing is uh, I'm able to do because nobody expects you to be in person now. Uh, I don't have to travel anywhere to do speaking gigs. I don't have to travel anywhere to, to talk to people. I don't have to travel anywhere to network with new people. Same thing with investment. Nobody that I, everybody's just like, I've been able to pitch to a whole lot more because a whole lot more VCs and, and angel investors, et cetera. Um, because, uh, nobody expects me to be in person. I don't have to meet anybody. I just have to hop on a Zoom call, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a little bit more scaling there. Take advantage of that. But other than that, if you solve a problem or you can pivot in terms of uh, COVID-related stuff, a lot of startups that are, that are in my direct network have made tiny little pivots like, hey, our product also does this with relation to COVID, right? It's so like, I know, I mean, this, this is especially directly connected, but I know a workplace safety company for warehouses that like just initially kind of made sure people were being safe in warehouses. And then they added a tiny little thing on the top, took them a good chunk of time, but they added something on top that was like, also we help with COVID stuff. And immediately companies were like, oh, we need this. We absolutely, this is huge. And it was because everybody's stressed out. Nobody knows how to solve these problems, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. A whole slew of new problems have kind of popped up. Mm-hmm. So it's, I don't want to tell you to like change your, your main kind of uh, whatever you're selling. I don't want to tell you to change your product, but if there is a way that you can phrase things in terms of COVID that suddenly just turns investors like really onto the idea 
of, yeah. of whatever you're building because they're like, oh, I know that's a problem, right? Because everybody's always suspicious of your problem until you tell them about what your customers have been saying and everything like that. But every, every investor that uh, most of my network has talked to, they seem to understand that COVID is a huge problem. Nobody knows how to solve it. It, it is manifested in a ton of different industries. If you solve and make that a little bit more comfortable for people accidentally, hype that up. I'm sure you, I feel like that's relatively general advice, but it's, it seemed to yeah. work a lot for, for, for businesses that I know. So, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, I'm kind of relieved actually by what you were saying. Two things. One, the fact that not a huge amount has changed from a, the, the finance position. I think that's good because what that means is you go at them with solid, good business proposals with solvable problems that you're going to grab attention. The, you know, the scrutiny might be more. Um, that you know, layer of expectation might be a little bit higher. But the point is they're still looking for fundamentally good, sound businesses. But I really like what you're saying about how, you know, oftentimes you can make a small pivot. It might be just something in your messaging, something in your advertising, something in how you present, you know, a problem or a solution that you're offering. And, you know, you can, you can move into some additional markets without having to fundamentally overhaul your business. And I think that's, I think that would be a good news and a relief to many entrepreneurs in that sense yeah no i was i was shocked actually I, I assumed that when this happened like for the next few years we would just be shut down in terms of fundraising and everything like that but it seems like people have have made the shift and, and everybody's still down to invest which is, is really it was relieving to me too for sure because i, I was i was scared for the the startup ecosystem yeah you can imagine well max thank you so much this has been a really really fun conversation with you and i've learned a lot just from picking up on your enthusiasm, picking up on your, your ideas. And maybe if, if you don't mind, I'll just summarize with maybe three things that I've picked up on. One of them is this idea of moving from, you know, not just being inspired, but to actually taking action. I think, you know, that's a, that's a big step for people. And it's a big step for, for someone who's not been an entrepreneur before or who maybe has been made redundant. And it is a big step, but at the same time, it's great to know that there are shows like yours, but also this idea of using the crowd, right? So crowd developing, crowdsourcing, using the crowd to help develop your business idea, refine it, help you make those steps and allow you to take those actions. And, you know, I think those are some of the key things. And also remembering that what you want to do at the end of the day is solve somebody else's problem. And that can be in simple or subtle ways as well as in complex ways, as uh, we've, we've discussed. And then the final thing I think that's so crucial from what you said is owning your audience and you know, having that relationship with them and thinking more than just having a network, but thinking about your audience, who is going to be, you know, who are you going to be serving and you know, your own personal brand in that so i hope you'll agree with my little summary but that those were some good lessons for for me i think thank you i'm super glad no yeah i, I agree completely yeah i i think the the step from inspiration to, to information is a little weird there's a, there's a very large community of, of inspired kids on the internet that are all into entrepreneurship there, there's a weird there's a lot of weird cultural like kind of things when it comes to entrepreneurship on the internet that i really don't like uh, there's a lot of, of hustle and, and, and over support and, and weirdness. And, and I don't think it's necessarily productive towards, towards actually building something. So yeah, if you can take that shift to actually building something, you're going to learn more than 99% of people that will ever call themselves entrepreneurs. Um, so yeah, just try something that's going to get you there. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm super glad that, that you, you uh, 
and got something from me from me blabbing so great thanks very much max well yeah, again to you. everybody listening thanks very much for listening to this podcast and again i'm going to end with just encouraging everybody to go on to entrepreneur.blog and following max and learning from him because this is a bright kid with some really interesting ideas so max thank you very much thank you for having me on the show <laughs>